0: Get Geek. This is Get Into Movies. We are talking war for the planet of the apes. This is all spoilers. My name is Mitch, joining me as he did in the non spoilers, hardly enough. Maddie! <laughs> together strong. Apes strong together. We don't really need to do the hand movements. This no. is an audio medium. <laughs> yes, yeah, so this is our full spoilers review and discussion of War for the Planet of the Apes. Uh, if you didn't listen to our non-spoilers and you've just jumped into this one accidentally and you can't read the title and you haven't seen it, stop now. We'll be talking all spoilers. and I feel like this is a movie, if you are a fan of the franchise, you don't want it ruined for you. Okay, you don't want it ruined for you. And I'm going to tell you why in five minutes. Four, three, two, one. That's it. You're done. Caesar dies.
1: Yep. And then Charlton Heston's shuttlecraft crashes. Who'd have thought? On the planet. My God. In 2029. And a hologram of Charlton Heston gets out and says,
0: Nanu, Nanu. (laughs) <laughs> now if you haven't seen the film and you don't care or indeed you have seen the film you'll know that most of that was bullshit <laughs> but yeah like they they've been marketing this as the end of a trilogy and i'm like why would you do this the last mm. film made like 750 million dollars worldwide far exceeding rise which did pretty well on itself for this sort of film war i don't know what is going to make but hopefully around dawn money yeah. i don't think and it there's... debuted so well in the states like it made good money but not like that not a catalyst for making a dick load of money but and there's literally a thousand years more story that they can tell yeah if they do indeed yeah want to catch up with the old ones now i've only seen as i said in the non-spoilers i've only ever seen the first planet of the apes you know ends with you maniac state State, State, statue of liberty thing and then maybe the first half an hour of the Mm. next film i've got them all at home on dvd in a little pack all five of them it's
1: quite ironic but then also quite spot on for you in the fact that the only way I actually got to see all of them is I borrowed your That's DVD right. box set and Same with watched Brendan, them all over a week. Fellow geeker, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's funny. That, again, it's another box set you've got where you haven't actually seen. Uh, why would I? Yeah. you
0: know, I don't even think I've watched Planet of the Apes, the first one. From that box set I watched it on Fox like five <laughs> years earlier, and I'm like, "Oh, box set! I'm going to buy that and watch them all this weekend." No, it never happened. But uh, I, you know, I was a fan of that. You know, again, I, I was born in 1986. When I watched it, it was at least the early 2000s. That film came out in 1968. Mm people dressed up as apes, like very human-looking, plastic-looking, prosthetic apes. But I still got into it. I'm like, this is a bit of fun. You know, my my mum said how much she loved it, whatever, I'm going to get into it. This new franchise comes out, and I'm like, okay, this is my Planet of the Apes. Yeah, CG, yeah. Okay, yeah. look how good that CG looks, which has just gotten better and better, and this looks fantastic. But they've they've always left it pretty up in the air about whether or not it actually ties into the Charlton Heston movies. You know, they've said, well... If you want to think that it does, then sure. Yeah, but if, like it, in, if we stop making movies now or in the next movie, and it's still, you know, I guess... When did you say the first movie set? Like 3, uh, 3,000 or right, something? 30, or something like that. So at yeah. least, let's say for all intents and purposes, a 1,000 years in the future. Yeah, they're tied in. But again, not necessarily. You know. yeah,
1: well, in Rise, they did have that... Little slight homage. It's like um, Franco's doing something, and there's that news report about the Icarus, the Icarus going up or yep. whatever. The the which is the the ship Charlton Heston
0: was on. And so I think it's... the day of the outbreak, the day that Caesar and all those apes broke out of the enclosure, and then you know he sort of you know skirting through the city, there were papers being delivered to houses, and the papers said that they'd lost contact with the shuttle, mm. which is kind of cool. It's like wow, well, they disappeared just after they might have heard news from Earth that you know apes were taking over which would have sounded crazy but yeah, yeah so it's,
1: it, it can tie in much more than you know the the beguiled and
0: tried not to talk about Tim Burton's you know version of Planet of the Apes mm.
1: doesn't really tie in
0: you know it was it was almost like a reboot they were hoping that to be a whole new franchise because yeah. it pretty much covered that same territory but then the way but that at it, the end of that twist film, ending was like Mark
1: oh. Wahlberg rocks back up and then he goes back and, it's, and then there's yeah. the, the Abraham Lincoln statue is a monkey and yeah. it's <laughs> very bizarre whereas these I think you can you can extrapolate that they can tie in quite nicely to yeah. um to the original films and it kind of just broadens the story and makes you sort of understand what happens more and because the, the 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 original five films do kind of you kind of go back and forth We're obviously in the in the first film you're on Charlton Heston's side and humanity's side mm. and you're oh my god what's happened but then he didn't come back for I think the second or maybe he came back for the third but he definitely wasn't there for the second so suddenly you end up following the apes more mm. And you then start to feel for them and you sort of, you sympathize with, with them and Cornelia and, and all the, and these sort of people and, and you, you follow it through. So it, this was great in the way that these, these newer films kind of did that as well. It gave you that, that
0: sense of understanding on, on, on the apes' point of view, mm. you know, rather than just being like, humanity rules, damn it! <laughs> so yeah, while we are saying that there is a thousand years worth of storytelling that they could potentially do to, to take us up to Charlton Heston uh, days they were marketing this as the end of a trilogy and I'm like mm. oh god have you just kind of spoilt you know what's going to happen more so with Caesar is it is what you're describing Caesar's trilogy not the Planet of the Apes trilogy Yeah, or series the series will go on but Caesar's gone da
1: is it, is it the um, Star Wars prequels where it's really just the story of Anakin Skywalker yeah you know is is that what we're yeah. and what I, we're I'm like I don't
0: see how they could not Want to make a fourth Planet of the Apes movies? You know, like we covered in our non spores, Matt Reeves, who directed Dawn and wrote and directed War, he is now going on to direct the Batman for DC and says he is approaching it in a certain story sense for the one film, but he has ideas on where to go for a possible yeah. Batman trilogy. So he's maybe over there for the long haul. It, you know, they might not get him back. Certainly soon, but maybe not ever. You know who's going to pick up the 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 mantle that Matt Reeves has just so brilliantly set. You know, in the last two films, mm. where do they go with it? But more importantly, how do you how do you pick up movie number four and give us a brand new character that we have to get behind? Where we we were literally there from Caesar's birth, yeah, and through to his death, but like yeah. we rarely have seen character development and progression in any other series of films like we have with planet of the apes mm. with a friggin' ape that's animated, <laughs> but we saw him born We overthrows s- mankind. Yeah. And we're rooting for him the whole way, you know? So yeah, I do kind of respect the
1: effort. Like we, I spoke about this a little bit in our, in our non-spoilers chat in that it's been three years since that last film. So I feel like it's, it's almost seems to be an artistic decision more than, a business decision mm. so many sort of franchises because that is the new thing now it's expanded universes and movie franchises yeah. you know a trilogy isn't enough it's mm. got to you know you've got to have spin-off potential and and you know merchandise and you know you've got to have you know the sky's the limit so i kind of feel like i kind of res- if, if this is the last of these films i will kind of respect that in that they've gone look we had a story to tell here it is yeah don't just keep pumping them out just because we can make money on them here is a story. Like I, I toyed with the idea very many years ago of writing a book, you know, based on my favorite sort of um, sci-fi genre and all mm, that sort of mm. stuff. It's like, it's like, I couldn't do that for a living. I, I might get one book. I yeah. might, I'm, I never <laughs> finished it. Let's just put that out there. I might have one in me. And a lot of, you know, a lot of um, actors and performers and directors and stuff say that they just want that one, that one special thing. That's enough because some people never even get that one. Yeah. So I kind of respect the fact that if, if he says, look, here it is. Here's the story that I've told of, of the life and death of Caesar, uh, the monkey. Um, <laughs> here it is. I'm done. I'm done with that chapter.
0: Now I'm ready to move on, and not just keep pumping out stuff yeah, to make money. I can.
1: I completely respect that that decision.
0: And I think where I would feel a little bit better about it immediately would be if they said, okay, we're going to make you know whatever the you know journey to the planet of the apes or some bullshit, <laughs> whatever the fourth one might be called. Uh, if they said. Andy Circus is coming back, because while he's not going to be playing Caesar, that's not to say that he can't play well, he another is. ape, another two or three apes, and that's a rarity too. That uh, an actor who has played a deceased or you know retired character from a series could come back and be a different character, and audiences would accept it. We don't know really, unless you're behind the scenes. People, mainstream audience, ninety five percent of the people that go and watch this film. I just going to see the film and the story. They're not necessarily sitting there thinking about it being Andy Serkis and who this mm. performer is and all the other characters that he's played. So it could almost be the ideal challenge for him: come back to a franchise you're familiar with and a world that you've helped build, but take on a completely different character—one maybe not so likable. Well,
1: it's funny enough you say that because that is actually a theme in the original films. So, um, and there's even, and they've expanded that in uh, in these new films. It's very much a. History repeating itself, you know. Everything is cyclical. Uh, in these films, we uh, we see Caesar's son's name is Cornelius. Mm. Now, Cornelius is one is the name of one of the apes that helps Charlton Heston in the original film. Yeah, Charlton Heston meets a fe- a beautiful female there that can't speak that he names or she's or he figures out her name or he names her Nova. Yeah, and then in this film War, there is a young girl uh, who can't speak. And uh, Maurice names her Nova. Yeah. You know, so there's there's a lot of reusing of names. Uh, and so, yeah, so in the, in the original five films, I believe the second or third film picks up a couple of hundred years after Charlton Heston's, you know, been there. Mm. And we're actually dealing with Cornelius's daughter, Cornelia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, but then... Her partner in it is played by the same actor who played Cornelius. Yeah, so that's it's, right. Yeah, So it, it wouldn't be a completely out of the blue and people just going, oh, well, let's just get Andy Circus in because he's Andy Circus." If he did come in to play Caesar's son Cornelius mm-hmm. in the next film or grown up or, or one of Caesar's descendants, because I feel like the, it could pick up in 100 years from now. Yeah. You know, I, I probably wouldn't want to see something two or three years set after war if they did do um, an, a fourth film but I could quite easily see them doing another trilogy 100 years from the end of war. That and that it, could yes. be
0: a really interesting character to follow because in the, in the aftermath of watching this movie last night, I thought, okay, well, who, who are we going to follow, if anyone of these groups? And they do very much say in this film... There are other apes out there. When they meet Bad Ape, as he calls himself, played by uh, Steve Zahn, the you know bald, big eared oh, yeah, uh, ape in the cold. Oh yeah, he never actually got a name, did he? No, he just kept calling himself Bad yeah. Ape. Yeah. When they meet him, and 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 they're looking at each other, Rocket and and Caesar, and they're saying, "We thought we were the only ones." Like, yeah. and not that they say these words, but obviously the disease that is killing humans, it's affecting apes worldwide you know so they could essentially run into some chinese apes down the road or something like that so maybe we don't actually even follow that group maybe they stay there and they live <laughs> happily ever after but the idea of following cornelius is interesting because while caesar had the pressure of being this leader he didn't necessarily want to be a leader but he knew that he had to do that because he was the smartest of all of them at the time you know and he'd been there from the start of it and then just the longevity of, of being this guy. He didn't want the war, but he had to fight the war and those sort of things. Now that he's dead, we pick up in maybe 15 years' time. You know, Caesar was 15 when this movie is... Uh, 15 human years mm. in War for the Planet of the Apes. Maybe we pick up in 15, 20 years' story time with Cornelius. He's got the pressure of being the son of the great leader Caesar. Yeah. But then is that too close to home? We're just following another one of that bloodline with pressure on him because of reason. So
1: Yeah, well, there's... There's obviously from from the end of this film we do like the the apes you know fo- do find their little haven by a lake and I feel like that setting was reminiscent of where Charlton Heston ends up in, Very much. in the first film I feel like that is going to be their, their settlement, but they're living with that with that young uh, mute girl yeah. she's the only human with all of these with all of these apes and they're kind of living in harmony together yeah, away yeah, from yeah. the other humans, obviously you know the the disease that is introduced in this film, the mutated version of the simian virus that does make them mute and and primal, I can't see Caesar or Maurice or even Rocket saying, oh, okay, well, let's just use them as slave labour. No, God, Which is what they are in in the 1968 film. So there has to be a certain... I always, in my head, when I I sort of watched the originals and then watched Rise and Dawn, my thought of, you know, the the fact that, you know, in in 3085 humans were being, you know, treated like animals in cages was a was a, a throwback to when we meet Maurice and all those other characters in their cages, in the zoos yeah. and, and that sort of thing. That was enough of connective tissue for me to, to buy that. But given that at the end of this film, they're, they're living with this, this young girl as part of them, I find it hard. And given that how compassionate Caesar and Maurice are about humans in general. It's like, if you don't want to kill them, they don't want to kill you. That's, you know, Maurice is very much a pacifist and in a lot of ways, so is Caesar, but mm. he has the burden of leadership. So there has to be a point somewhere where they decide, okay, we're going to enslave these these human cattle and use them for our own means and then become the bad guys. And again, that's, that's what I was talking about before, about it's the, the cyclical nature of things mm. in the same way that we as humans do that now. To, to lower creatures Well the the monkey The, the apes in, in the future Do use humans for that I think that's why Planet of the Apes Was, was so popular When it first came out Because it was so much like It was like a A big budget Feature film episode Of the Twilight Zone Yeah You know that Oh my god It was earth all along
0: ah!
1: <laughs> You know Which is such a Twilight Zone Sort of thing to do So there is that Cyclical history repeating nature um, Here So I'd, I'd, I would like to Yeah pick up in If we do pick up You know down the track With one of Caesar's uh, offspring Where where does it come Where they decide Okay well we're going to start Using humans And then obviously then As much as we were Rooting for Caesar And Maurice And, and Rocker And wanting them to win It's well Are they suddenly going to turn And then suddenly They're going to be the bad guys And we're going to not Be egging them on And wanting them to To succeed
0: And what they've done Progressively, with each film in this trilogy, is focused more and more on the apes. You know, like yeah. there was a good chunk of this movie where we only saw a couple of humans. You know, and it was just purely apes and them reacting to humans. Whereas, in Dawn, much more ape. But you know, once we met humans, then we'd spend a little bit of time with the humans. Go back for more apes. Back mm. to humans. You know, and it was about that relationship between Jason Clarke's character and uh, Malcolm and uh, and Caesar. Whereas this film, more apes. I mean, I I can't see them going backwards, but would that be a way of sympathizing with the human characters if we do start off watching mm. a Planet of the Apes movie and do the Charlton Heston version again where we actually, we're looking at it from the point of view of the remaining humans. And then do we start to see other apes and... <sighs> yeah, I don't. I don't want to see another group of apes make apes look bad in the viewers' eyes. After all the work done by get yeah. these fictional characters in the first trilogy, <laughs> but that um, was
1: one of the things that I actually had a hard time wrapping my head around uh, in in War for the Planet of the Apes was that Cobra's old supporters. We're now working with the humans. Yeah, I,
0: I actually didn't, I didn't really buy that either yeah. because it's like they it's like they hated Caesar so much and they were so afraid that's that was his point of view anyway, they were so afraid of him and what he would do to them for siding with Cobra five years ago that they're actually working with humans, which is the complete opposite of what Cobra was all about. Yeah. I, I yeah, I d I I yeah. didn't like that. I, I, I actually like didn't like that.
1: Even Cobra would choose would choose Caesar over humans.
0: Yeah, I, I like, felt like they could have just as easily explained it away. Them just apes siding with the humans, like actually, again, I... just trying to save their own skin, working against their own kind. Because you know, it's it's hard to to relate it very much when you're talking about apes working against apes for humans, sort of thing. But uh, another. Very big example of, of, I guess, what they were going for with that uh, particular angle was Samuel L. Jackson in Django Unchained. You know, it's set, 1800 slavery time. Jamie Foxx was seeing it from a slave's point of view, how bad black Americans were treated by white slave owners. And then they go to the worst of the worst in Leo DiCaprio. And if he's got uh, a black servant in Samuel L. Jackson, you're like, okay, well, he's just working for that guy. But then Samuel Jackson, as a black man, does horrible things to the other mm. black men that are slaves. You're like, how could you do this? You know, and you, and you're watching this movie, and you're watching these gorillas and apes and whatever, and they're loading guns and firing grenades and 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 arrows and shit, and pointing out weaknesses to the humans against their own kind. You're like, yeah. what is this? What is this? Come I really to?
1: would have preferred because obviously we we find that You know, obviously there are other groups of apes out there that you know, as far as the disease spreads to exterminate humans it's making these apes more intelligent. Mm. It was Caesar's group in San Francisco, a very small part of the world, you know, when you think about, you know, everywhere, you know, the the, the apes exist around the world, they're the ones that led the exodus. Yeah. You know, in, into the mountains. It's like, well, there could have been other apes and stuff in zoos that got more intelligent but were brainwashed or just convinced by humans that th- these other apes were we're trying to destroy everybody, yeah. you know, and they wanted to rule the world. So it's, I kind of feel like I just wanted them to be no relation to Koba Co- uh, or anything like that. And they were just bamboozled into, into believing the humans and working for them, even though they were being called donkeys and being treated like, you know, slaves and that sort of stuff. I think it would have been a nice subtext to show that, you know, uh, intelligence doesn't always mean you make the right decision just because you're intelligent you you can still make mistakes so i I would have liked to have seen yeah maybe a just a slight polish on that and and the way the way that was done but um other than that i can't really fault it
0: yeah i know you said you had a concern in our non-spoilers chat the fact that it is titled war you were worried that it was just going to be all out Action too and many explosions. I had that too because the last film, while it was so much deeper of a, of a character study in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, the way that it ends, you're like shit. Okay, there there's a big fight coming. They name it War for the Planet of the Apes. The way that the trailer is edited and sold to us, there is so much action. You're like, well, you've got to have a lot of action to justify the name, and obviously there is a big inevitable fight coming. So we have to see some big battle that you know finally puts the apes above the humans. Then are we really just putting a glossy sort of filter that, you know, is is the apes mm. over just a generic war film. And Matt Reeves will do his best to make it, you know, this character study, but really it's just an action film because Fox have seen that they can make a lot of money off this franchise. And that was honestly one of the first things I thought of after the movie as well. And I've got a lot of first things I thought of after the movie, but it was one of the things that I thought about after the film as well. That this was made by Fox. Now, when I say Fox, the first franchise I think of, otherwise, and maybe for you too, X Men. Mm. I actually couple t- of good X Men, for you mostly bad X Men movies. And I they-
1: turned to uh, to Lincoln uh, as the the Fox logo came up at the start, and I was waiting for the the X to
0: be the last yeah. thing to fade because I'm so <laughs> used to seeing that and the at the
1: end, and then it came, and I was like oh, that feels really odd.
0: And not that any Marvel movie or the Planet of the Apes are the only franchises that Fox have going, but that's the ones that I do think of because you have X-Men. It, really, it was the first, you know, superhero movie of this of this new generation that showed that you could go a little bit darker, still make them great films, change some stuff from the source material, but, you know, maybe for the, not so much for the better, but for a benefit. Uh, get to number two. It's like Brian Singer. What you did last time worked, made us a lot of money. Do what you want as well for number two. Another great film. Number three, Brian Singer leaves. They bring in somebody else. It's like, ah, oh, okay, we'll tell you how to do this. Didn't work out so well. Damn you, Brett Ratner. <laughs> Wolverine Origins, not so much. First class, I liked it. You didn't get to Days of Future past. Brian Singer's back. It's like, oh, okay, finally, we're back in, in familiar waters. Do what you do. Fantastic film again. My best film of 2014. You said Dawn was yours of the best of <laughs> We compete. We
1: compete. Uh, Days of Future Past was mine with, with Dawn coming in second.
0: Now, no one would have this on their best movie of 2015, I want to say, but Fox's other Marvel property, Fantastic Four, right? Ugh. So they bring in an indie filmmaker, very much, like Josh Trank, Here's Fantastic Four. He wants to change a bunch of stuff. Like, yep, yeah, cool, no worries. It went on and on and on for ages. Then we hear of all these horror stories. Someone else has come to help, you know, finish the film. Rename it Fanforstic. <laughs> sure, rename it Stick. That comes out and that movie was ve- like, it was bad. Whew. Um, there were some good elements to it and 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 big changes I didn't want them to make, but would have been interested to see where they would have gone with them had they have not butchered it. Mm. And then you watch apes and you're like how have, you, how have you got this franchise that is an out there concept, like the idea of mutants? It makes you money. You bring in really an untested director. While I said to you earlier that Matt Reeves directed Cloverfield, which was a blockbuster movie, you know, size wise, then Let Me In, which was a very small film. This one's got a lot of money behind it, a lot of expectations, it's franchise, a lot of visual effects, a lot of things that can go wrong if you try too hard to take it seriously, which he did, but nailed at. And then allow him seemingly the creative freedom to do it again. With War for the Planet of the Apes and not come in and, you know, there's studio interference in every film, but not to the level where it was a studio run film. This still feels like Dawn, which felt, I guess, like what a Matt Reeves movie must be. Mm. And then you see them, the way that they handle some of their other big budget franchises, when they bring in very artistic and bold choice directors. And then basically tell them, seemingly to us fans, it seems like they've told them how to make the film. And it just comes out as like too many cooks in the kitchen situation. So I, I look at this and like this should be the pinnacle, not only of visual effects that every movie should look at, but the way that you run a franchise, a big yeah. money-making franchise with long, long, long history in Hollywood. Do it like this and give give the directors that you go out and you seek the, the freedom to make whatever they want, because quite clearly Matt Reeves has has taken what someone else made, developed it himself, now has capped off a trilogy, mm. and f- it's awesome, you
1: know? Big CG battles and, and, and set pieces and, and action explosions only matter... If you're invested in the characters that it's happening to, Mm. you know, so a lot of these big blockbusters rely on those big set pieces of, and, Oh yeah, we'll fix it in post. It's green screen, blue screen. It'll all be fine. But it's like, well, no, here the focus was really on the characters and you're invested in these characters and you, and you, you care about them. And so when they are put in these, in these situations, you're like, Holy crap! Mm. You know, and and obviously we we do lose of the of the we have Caesar, Maurice, Rocket, and Luca, who was the big silverback um, gorilla. We yeah. do we do lose him at a certain point in the film, and that's when I went, oh, they could all go here. Mm. Uh, Rocket later on, I'm like, oh, we're we gonna lose, and I really thought we were gonna lose Rocket as oh, I well. I thought he was gone. for I sure. I thought he was gone. Yeah, but you know, he he survived as as did Maurice. So it's it's like you know we, we we're caring about these these CG apes. Yeah. So when these, big, when these big battles happen, we're like, oh, God, who's, who's that? Who's that over there getting, taking fire? Oh, God, get behind that rock, mate. Quick, you know. <laughs> um, whereas if it's just, you know, just stuff flying at your face and you're not invested, it's like, well,
0: who cares? And that actually gave this movie one of those moments for me where my face actually just sort of dropped, my jaw dropped with, with shock. When we are introduced for the first time to Woody Harrelson's Colonel character, as Caesar looks at the dead bodies of his son and his wife. Mm. Just prior to that, we see you know the laser sight of a rifle go to the back of the head of Blue Eyes, his son. But we don't hear a gunshot. Then we hear on the radio, King Kong's dead, King Kong's dead, let's get out of here. Caesar's like they've they've hurt somebody and whether he thinks i'm king kong or whatever he gets the reference Mm. he races up and i'm like oh shit is he's is his son hurt or is he dead but then to actually see that they've killed not only his son but they've killed his wife as well like my jaw just dropped because even though his wife i didn't really know as a character because all she did in the second movie was give birth and then just be sick for the whole film yeah they didn't really give him much to do in this she's she shows up and she cuddles him and that's it I get what that means to him. Mm. And his son, we sort of, you know, work through in the first movie and then a little bit in this as well, but I know what that means to him. So yeah. I'm watching it for this character. And you're right. You give us characters you care about. The other stuff's just entertainment. Yeah. And there was that phenomenal moment where Caesar and um, Woody
1: Harrelson make eye contact, mm. you know, in, in front of the, the waterfall and he sees his, his dead family, you know, at his feet. And all the sound drowns away. Yeah. Everything. And even to the point where Woody Harrelson starts firing his weapon and all the sound is taken out of it. Mm. And to me, that is such a brave choice that you don't see enough or you see it, you know, just in the the wrong moment. But they they held that long enough and I was really just like, oh God, what is going to happen here? Yeah. And it just, it just heightens the tension to a degree where you're just like, Lincoln and I were sort of, we, we kept getting closer and closer to each other. We're sliding <laughs> down in their chairs. We're going, oh my God, what do you think is going to happen? What do you think is going to Oh, that's that awesome. Like, Holy shit, get out of there, man. Like we were just, just so invested. And at one point we had to stop and he goes, I keep having to remind myself that these are cartoon apes. Mm. Like you just, you, it's, I don't think I've, I've ever been so in, invested in characters like that yeah. aside from, you know, my beloved X-Men and things like that. Mm. Just characters that I've not known before going in to see a movie. I've never been so invested in them, in in their welfare and making sure that they prosper. And like I said, and on spoilers, given that them prospering means the human race dying
0: out. Yeah, well, if you did miss our earlier chat, we we harped on the, the the visual effects in this film. If you if you are listening to this because you don't care about spoilers, exceed the last film, which were fantastic. Mm. To a point where this this is the new pinnacle. I know I've been saying it, but there are moments in this movie where it just looks like they are showing off. You know, there's that scene where Caesar is in the quarters of the colonel, and he's you know playing with his maps and things. He's um he, he's telling him basically how he killed his own son when uh, when he realized he had the disease. And there is like a searchlight from out in the courtyard, going through the window. We don't even see the light really coming through. We just see it reflecting off Caesar's face. It's either reflecting off his skin or it's going through the hundreds and thousands of hairs on his face. And it's creating like that glow effect because mm. it's sort of reflecting through and off. And I'm like, you don't need to do that. That light didn't need to shine through. That- I'm not going to sit there and go, well, hang on. That's breaking continuity the light. That's-. I-, I wouldn't have even thought of yeah. that. You do that. You make that effect. You are just showing off how amazing these visual effects are. But yeah. to Lincoln's point that's what makes you forget that you're actually watching these yeah. animated characters. The performance as well Andy Circus and the rest of the cast fantastic, mm. but those performances really don't yeah. mean as much if if you only get say two-dimensional images on top. It's it's laughable. But
1: on that scene as well, it's it's funny in a lot of in a lot of films it's the CG is so disconnected from the live action, you can you can see it, you can feel it, there's no weight. Mm. You know, you can literally see like I hate to bring it up again, Batman v Superman when you see them doing some amazing things, there's no weight to the bodies, mm. you know, so it feels really artificial. Yeah, And and even just the shooting style, because a lot of, you know, a lot of directors, you know, they can shoot live action really well or they can shoot CG really well, but a lot of, some can't do both. Mm. And what I love is that Matt Reeves can shoot this stuff so beautifully, but in that same scene when Woody Harrelson is telling the story of his son and he's making himself a, a cup of tea or whatever, and he pours the um, the booze from his hip flask into it, And the camera sort of racks focus past that onto the board behind where he's making it to see the shot of the cross and the photo of his dead son. Mm. And then Rack focuses back, you know, which then ties into, you know, the like we were talking about in an on-spoilers chat, scenes with Maurice, a a CG character, going in and out of focus. Mm. Like the fact that he can continue that through live action and CG shots just creates this... This beautiful kind of Connectivity between everything Where you really You don't know Where the CG ends And the live action mm. uh, Begins It's And oh, that God. too
0: the, the, the reveal about the son That was different I wasn't expecting that Because in the trailer I think you do actually See a photo Of this child And Woody Harrelson's Either holding or next to it And I'm like oh, That was Gary Oldman In mm. the second film Like he yeah. looked at photos Of his two uh, Deceased kids Yeah and he didn't Have the printout He had to sit there And wait for the iPad To yeah, charge, <laughs> to up, charge you know? up After 10 years Now if this is a real-world situation, that would be a very common, very, very common and understandable motive for every human to want to kill the apes. Because yes. we would all know 1, 2, 10, 20 people that would have died because of that disease. But as a viewer, in storytelling, that's very tired if you use it a second time. The fact that they didn't, I'm like, bravo. Because in the trailer, it looked like they were going to. And I'm like, oh, you could probably get away with it using it a second time in the last film of a trilogy because we don't get to come back and see whether you bring it back yet again. Yeah, But the fact that that made his character, who was already pretty evil up until that point, like he was very black or white with these apes and he was out on a mission. Obviously, he's a colonel, but he was very cutthroat in what he was out to do. He turns around and says, oh, yeah, well, actually, I haven't even got the full support of my, my own people. And to sum it all up, I killed my own son and I'm killing people that are showing signs of this mutated disease mm. because it's I'm, I'm helping them you know like the, no one wants that and I'm going to otherwise cure the disease or whatever his his madman brain is telling him
1: but then he does give that speech about how you know human are going to become cattle and blah 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 yeah. he's predicting what's mm. actually going to be a thousand years in the future yeah, but yeah. he's just ranting like a crazy man Yeah, and indiscriminately killing you're like well, it doesn't matter if you're right you, you can Going about just, it the can't wrong can't way, that. mate. Yeah, yeah. You, you know.
0: Now, one thing that I didn't really understand, even by the end of the film, mm. what the hell was going on with the rest of the military? Because he was, yeah, he'd killed some of his own men, but I felt like a lot of what, what we got told was from Caesar's mouth, and Caesar was only going off information that he'd been told by Winter, the white ape. Mm. I didn't necessarily know whether that was the truth or some of it, and so Woody Harrelson's saying, yeah, they're coming for me. They want to relieve me of my command. But I'm like, well why would they care? Like if you're only 50 men or a hundred men, or they just really wanting to save every troop they can, but why would they send in every fucking soldier, helicopter, tank, gun that they've got to kill this one guy to then get the rest of his troops back into their side. And then come the end of the movie, obviously that's, that's the big battle that was teased at in the, uh, in, in the trailers was most of the military, the Woody Harrelson's little ragtag group, which they obviously end up coming out on top, the rest of the military. Then the avalanche comes and sort of takes them all down. And I'm like, well, was that just for us as, as, as viewers going, oh, well, there's there's the American military might this is why our apes are going to be safe forever well, now because they've got no one that's going to come after them. Well, they were the border, them. so were they the Canadian military
1: vibes? Oh, were they really? Yeah. Oh, I've,
0: I have no idea. See, that's I didn't even. I honestly didn't even. Didn't well, even get I that.
1: Just, I mean, I'm not great with uh, uh, geography, but you know, they were in San Francisco, and then they were north of San Francisco. Oh yeah. So yeah. I guess that was kind of like Seattle. So it's like, well, if they're coming from the north border, what's north of Seattle? I think yeah. it's. I think it's Canada. I think Seattle. He's on the border of Canada. Right, so was it sure.
0: them basically, in a way, they were pushing into Canada and Canada were like, fuck off, you know, get... It, Possibly, it, 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 but yeah. it
1: made it sound like he was part of that military and they were definitely American because they were America and yeah. playing the Star-Spangled Banner and all that sort of thing. And I feel like even so though they I didn't don't... touch
0: it, 15 years into this sort of story, humans probably would band together.
1: Yeah, maybe it wasn't so much. It was just any survivors were, were yeah. together. So, so I, I
0: don't know, I just I didn't get that side of the story. And in, in, in some levels, I'm kind of disappointed that the great battle from the trailer where we see, you know, helicopters coming in, firing missiles at this human military base that's got, you know, bad apes helping them out. That that was other humans? Like, I I don't Mm. know if I necessarily wanted to see a ton of our apes you know, manning helicopters. Yeah. And coming in firing rockets and stuff. But the <laughs> fact that it was Firing cool- rockets. <laughs> hey there we go. Rocket firing rocket. Yeah. The-
1: no, I just took firing rocket the, the ape. Oh out himself. Of it. Yeah he just no, parrot par- just nah, shooting me out. I'd and- buy that. Yeah. If anything, I'm <laughs> judging the movie it didn't have that.
0: <laughs> the fact that the title of the film War for the Planet of the Apes and the great battle that we saw in this uh, in this film really wasn't an ape V human sort of thing. Mm. Like it was it was the overall obviously story arc.
1: And then at the end,
0: for Woody Harrelson's group to sort of be be
1: destroyed, and then, you know, these other troops cheering, and then they see Caesar, and they're ready to turn on him and fire on him, I was like, what? Mm. There's a little bit... I feel like the humans were kind of, yeah, shoehorned in there a little bit, but... Again, it's not like this is butting up right up against, you know, the original film. There's a thousand years worth of mm. other battles and skirmishes and other bits pieces. Because obviously, you know, the human race isn't completely extinct, you know, at the end of this film. Yeah. It's just this particular mi- military group in, you know, Northwestern America... A yeah, corner of it, yeah. Um, ...is taken out. But there's obviously still, you know, skirmishes going
0: on everywhere. Yeah. And to get away from all that, strangely, like, while well, we're talking about all this sort of dark, depressing death sort of shit throughout the movie... This was a lot funnier than the other two films have been. Like There were moments of mm. of comedy in here that I didn't expect. And from the first sort of real comedic moment, I was like, oh, I hope they don't start doing this too much.
1: Yeah. When when they introduced...
0: Um, Bad it, Ape. Bad Ape. Yeah.
1: He was obviously the comic relief. Yeah. And it was like, ooh, this... Because he was genuinely funny. Yeah. But it's like, ooh, this could totally, this could go the wrong way. But then yeah. suddenly he had heart. Yeah, you know, and it wasn't he wasn't just doing it for before that. I was
0: worried when he started getting a bit slapstick. When he'd like run away and he'd trip over, I'm okay. Like very human stuff. And while he said he grew up with humans and he's watched humans a lot, he would take in a lot more of those characteristics, I guess, than even Caesar. Mm-hmm. I was a bit like, no, 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 I didn't need that bit. Have him be funny when he's sort of like, you know, he's realizing things and he 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 thinks by talking. You know, he doesn't he doesn't think before he speaks or anything. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Once it once you're bought into his heart again, character.
1: Yeah. That's fine. That that wins over anything. You don't mind the occasional sort of, you know, comedic remark and that sort of stuff. Yeah. To introduce that little bit of levity. Because it wasn't overly, you know, comedic, Mm. but there was enough there to keep it light. And it also, and again, not to bring it up, you know, Batman v Superman, because I kind of do compare them in terms of these, you know, big budget, heavy on the CG kind of films, is that as dark as this film was in terms of what was happening to the human race, what was happening to these apes, there was still hope. Mm. It was still a hopeful and, in a lot of ways, an uplifting film, an inspirational film. In the end of it, that kind of makes you re-examine your own life choices and 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 your own philosophy on the way the world turns. Yeah, you know. So there was it was it was really sort of introspective and and reflective. So as as dark as it got, there was you you didn't come out feeling depressed. Yeah, you know. It was you take that on board and you. You take it with you as you as you exit the cinema. Yeah, which um, which I I I really enjoy.
0: Yeah, because then I felt like it really earned those moments that weren't forced comedy, like him, you know, falling over and and certain dialogue. But uh, when he's helping with the with the breakout of of the uh, enclosure and he's digging from underneath, and, you know, he and all of a sudden, bad ape I'm talking about, his head pops up. Yeah, and he's looking at the soldier. Then quickly, like, you know, goes back down, and then the soldier walks away, and he pops back up again. All these other apes are looking at him, and it was just his dorky-looking face, his bald, big ears, and you know his big sort of silly eyes, and and that was funny. It wasn't, you know, it's not in-your-face comedy. Like, look, we're telling a joke. It kind of is, but yeah, but that's he... only because you understand that by that stage. Well, he's so far out of his element. That you can understand him being
1: sort of, he wasn't, he wasn't doing that sort of in and out as like a joke. It's like, Hey, look at me. I'm the funny guy. It was, he was so overwhelmed by what was going on and he's been on his own for so long. He's kind of like shrinking down and going, Oh, how, how am I this one little sort of lowly ape actually being a pretty key player in, in rescuing this, this entire sort of race. And he's just like, he, he's so overwhelmed and, and that continues through. He just, you know things happening and, and the apes are sort of moving and rescue and he's going no 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 no
0: and then they, they're dragging him along and they're, yep. and they're pulling him along because he's one of them and then another new character in this is a human character that little girl Nova who my god her eyes tell uh, uh, a story wow. of a thousand words you know like just
1: link could not shut up about her in the film every mm. every scene he would lean over and just go she is amazing. Yeah, you know, and we all thought the the girl that played X twenty three in Logan was amazing. Yeah, you know, as a as a as a young female silent character for the most part, this little girl blew her out of the water. Yeah, like, and we by were just like
0: never what? saying a thing, and, and a lot less movement too. You know, just those eyes, and and again, that's what we spoke about in non spoilers. But if you if you missed that, we spoke about the score in this film, Michael Giacchino. and I, I'm sure I'm butchering that name, but I'm just. <laughs> I'm just saying it like I read it His score particular, I, th- I think I really started to notice it And I, f- I feel bad that it took me this long But the moment when Nova Goes into the camp And goes to Caesar And gives him some water And then the other apes see what she's doing And they call her over Give her some, some seeds, some food She brings it to Caesar to feed him and, and, and up until that point he'd been a bit weary of her He didn't hate mm. humans but he's like I don't want anything to do with them anymore that was a moment where he's like, Okay, he saw something in her and, and, and she had complete trust in him and the innocence of a child and all that sort of we'll thing. Well given that he killed her protector her father, slash yeah, father whoever, whoever it might have been. Was. Yeah. But the score that accompanied that and it just kept going. Like that scene mm. went for ages. And I think in any other movie or any other director handling that, I'd have been like, We yeah, we get it. Move on. My God, on. yeah, I've only got so many tears in me. I get it. Whatever, I'm sad, <laughs> move on. That I just I I was, I was building up to a tear and and it never came along, but I felt so emotionally invested in that scene. And that, yeah. that score kept coming back throughout the film. And I was just like, oh my God, this is, this is beautiful. The direction is beautiful. The performance is like, it was just, the, this sort of movie, this sort of story doesn't necessarily deserve to be this good, but it's just so perfectly handled. Mm. And, you know, we're massive sci-fi fans and I have a lot of people that I deal with day to day that don't buy into sci-fi i don't buy into anything that's of a higher concept than you know a, a, your average romantic comedy mm. and i'm like well this is when it's done right you know don't don't listen to the nine bad ones that you've seen take my advice go watch this really good one and you can see what great storytelling high concept when they meet you get a great movie yeah it all just stars
1: aligned and it was oh i i, I can't gush about it enough yeah like it's i I did have a couple of nitpicks, because you know I love my nitpicks. Oh, mate, you're a great nitpicker. I love my nitpicks. And these are really, really, really petty nitpicks. <laughs> yes. And it mainly has to do with the ape's sign language. Okay. Now, once Caesar was taken captive, yeah, Maurice, Rocket, and and Nova, none of them speak. Mm. And bad guy doesn't know how to do the sign language. A bad ape doesn't know how to do the sign language. Yeah, yeah. So how did they
0: communicate to organize the, the escape? That's true. Yeah, I know. Well, see, Nova started to pick up on some sign language. She'd been with him for at least a day or two longer. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, there's time there for them to have taught him basic stuff, but Mm. at the same time, yeah, like they can understand him, but he can't understand them. But yeah, Caesar. I I feel like Caesar was the only one that could do both. Yeah, I feel like you needed one shot, one short scene of them sort of trying to teach each other.
1: I mean, we do find that at the end of the film, Maurice can speak. Mm. Uh, he's obviously just chosen not to this whole time. Maybe Maurice was speaking to, to Bad Ape, but they wanted to save that dramatic reveal for when he speaks to Nova. Yeah, yeah. So, dramatically, I understand that. That's, that's totally fun. Like I said, it was a pretty pathetic nitpick. And then there's another moment, I think, just before Luca dies, when um, Caesar is looking through the binoculars down at, at the at the humans or whatever, and Luca signs him a question. And then Caesar responds
0: while he's still looking through the binoculars. Oh, I didn't... I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if I picked now that they one do, up.
1: they do... A lot of the time, they don't need complete sign languages. It's almost like it's sign language... Partnered with the grunts and the hoo, hoo, yeah you know, all that sort of stuff yeah I think
0: we're getting as a, as a caption we're getting the full message yeah. whereas they might only be signaling each other you know a word or two like you yeah say, a word and, a grunt.
1: and then because obviously you know apes can communicate without sign language to each other generally yeah they can yeah. communicate to each other through you know I think they say you know when dogs bark it's they're not barking um, you know words but it's more barking thoughts and, and emotions is, mm. is what other dogs pick them. So I feel like, you know, apes are a similar sort of thing. So it's a combination of things, but he did just flat out ask him a question about, yeah. you know, and, and signed it. But like I said, that's, that's all I could, that's all I could find. Yeah. And I've, I love to nitpick, <laughs> but that's all I could find. And then that's kind of a nothing, nothing moment. Yeah. You
0: know? I, I think this is like, it's, it's got to be put in the argument of, of among the great trilogies, you know, rise. Really? It was, it was good. It, 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 it's It's. good, probably better than it should have been at the time. And when you compare it to these next two films, it's nowhere near mm. as good as them. But it's still a, it's a good, solid foundation for this so franchise. Not, so not only is it in the
1: group of some one of the greatest trilogies, yeah. but one of the greatest um, trilogies where the sequel is better than the original. Yeah, and you know? I
0: found myself wondering when I walked out last night, okay, I love Dawn. Like, Dawn, favourite movie of 2014, way better than Rise, and I did like Rise. Is it going to be a trilogy? the rarest of trilogies where yeah each movie is better than the last Uh, in this case and I don't know I felt like uh, up until halfway I'm like this is very good but overall I think I I still like Dawn the second half of this film as a character study I felt was so much stronger than the first half and a lot of shit happens in the first half so it's Mm. that's saying something too yeah, I don't know where it, I don't know where it properly sits. Yeah, they're, um, they're very k- to compare the two. Not that that means anything. but No, but they're they they're definitely on par, if nothing
1: else. Yeah, I find, and having gone back and rewatched uh, Dawn uh, only a couple of days ago, I find the the first half of Dawn where it's very very quiet, I'm absolutely in love with. Mm. There is all the action scenes at the end with Cobra leading his troops against you know against the humans. And to me, as as visually amazing as, as you you me and Lincoln we went and saw that, lost our minds at that three sixty shot from the from the tank turret. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as great as that was, the rest of the actual sort of attack didn't have that emotional resonance that we've spoken about because Caesar wasn't a part of it. Caesar was back um, at James Franco's house, yeah, yeah, recuperating, yeah. yeah. So that element of it, of the of the attack and the and the violence and that sort of stuff, I you know could take or leave. Bar that amazing three sixty shot.
0: Whereas yeah. I feel like the scenes this, in this movie, this
1: film, the actual action because Caesar was at the forefront of it, did resonate a little bit more. Yeah, you know, and when you see Rocket and Bad Ape taking fire, when the when the soldiers see them sort of sneaking out through the tunnels and all that sort of stuff, you're like, oh god, he better not get hit, you know, because um, I was hedging my bets that either Rocket or Bad guy or Bad Ape was going to get it. Yeah. Um, at that point, you know, so I think, yeah, the, the edge of your seatiness, oh my God, are they going to make it was definitely heightened in this film, Mm. but so much, I think because Dawn was such a surprise at how beautiful it was, Mm. it kind of, I think resonates with us more. So going into, into war. We already knew that they were capable yeah, of doing. It kind of had to be this so good. So it's like, how do you improve <laughs> on near perfection? Yeah, Which, yeah, yeah. The first half of that film was perfection. Yeah, you know? how do you improve on perfection? So, it's definitely on par. I guess it's going to have to be rewatchability to see what what sticks and and what doesn't, to see whether it is on a con- consistent sort of you know yeah. um, arc upwards. Or whether it does sort of, you know. But either way, at least it's it's definitely not going down. No, it's, you know. Well, that's the,
0: it. Doesn't really bode well for the next guy who picks up the movie if they announce in a week. yeah, we're making Planet of the Apes mm. four. It's coming out in 2021, and you know Yahoo, first time director is going to handle it. It's like, well, mate, yeah. One was good, two was great, three was great, and uh, you kind of can only go down. And, you know, we're, at and, this we're,
1: point. and we're and we're hiring.
0: Insert latest hot CW uh, boy
1: from whatever show. That's <laughs> well,
0: I think you're right. As far as the rest of the, of the franchise goes, they should adopt what they have done so far. Not rush it. Let this come out. Mm-hmm. Settle. Maybe even hit you know digital and Blu-ray and all that sort of gear before they make a decision on the next one. Don't rush into it. If you've lost your director, if you've lost your main star, because you've lost the character... Just sit back, see where you want to go. You've done mm-hmm. very well so far by not rushing things, and uh, hopefully we get more movies. I- I'm, d- I'm definitely up for watching more Planet of the Apes. When you've got good movies in the franchise yeah. so far, I-, I want to see more. That's the formula that you need to work with. So It's all gone well so far, so we'll see what happens uh, in the future. Right now, though, get back out and see it again. Surely, if you're listening to this, you have watched it, go whack and watch it again. It's a movie that needs to be seen on the big screen, I think, before you can properly appreciate it on the small screen. So Go check it out. Spread the word. Do what we're trying to do. Tell people that a movie called War for the Planet of the Apes is actually one of the best movies you'll see all year, and it's mm-hmm. fantastic. There's a
1: horse chase with four monkeys on horses. <laughs> yes, like why, why are we not appreciating that? There is a silverback gorilla on a white horse <laughs> in a horse chase, people. <laughs> it sounds ridiculous, but it's brilliant. In the
0: snow, like come but on, in the
1: snow, and the monkeys wearing a parka and a, and a beanie, and
0: a... <laughs> oh god. So much better than it ought to be, than it deserves. (laughs) Uh, We'll be back to talk more movies and TV uh, on Get Into Geek in the future. Uh, Until then, you can uh, check out all of our old podcasts uh, on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just simply search Get Into Geek. You can follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Get Into Geek, or drop us a line, getIntoGeek at gmail.com. Myself, personally, uh, Mitch underscore Lewis. On Twitter and Instagram, Maddie
1: At High Pitch Maddie on Instagram. I, actually, I should chuck up on Instagram. my um I've got my top 12 most anticipated films for the year. Mm. Uh, Planet of the Apes being number eight. Over and it. I've kind of been, you know, putting little scores up next Already to it. Already okay. up to eight.
0: Okay. So what's, what's the remaining four? I... Uh,
1: Thor, Ragnarok.
0: Yes. Star Wars?
1: Well, before that is Justice League. Of course, yeah. Yep. Uh, Star Wars. And then prior to having seen the trailers, Jumanji. Okay, that's... Uh, but you know I've what? already made the photo collage, so it's going to stay in <laughs> It's stuck, it's concreted.
0: I haven't seen the trailer yet. I'm also very keen to see that, but for some reason I haven't rushed out the trailer. But all those movies we definitely will be covering uh, in the future. So stay tuned to Get Into Geek and go see Wolf the Planet of the Apes again. uh <laughs> <laughs> Apes. Together. Strong. Strong. <laughs> ape no kill ape. <laughs> Get Into Geek.com